frustration, fights, and tears, it must be an election year. Hey, girls and guys, I'm Brandy with an I, and this is Did You Hear the News? Well, well, well. Welcome back, listeners. If you were here before, I thank you. If you're new, I welcome you back to Did You Hear the News podcast. I took some time off, and a lot has happened in that time. Don't get me wrong, but even more is happening now. So I figured I needed to come back here and talk to the people, because we all need it. So the purpose of this podcast, I created it because I understand that following politics can be daunting. It can be depressing. It can be boring. However, we need to be informed because we all are here to participate in this experiment called our democracy and everything that we want for our country, for our cities, for our states, for our towns, for our families, for our loved ones, we're never going to be able to achieve if we don't get out there and fulfill our civic duty and vote. But we don't want to vote just because it's the thing to do. We want to vote because we know that there are people out there who are advocating for the types of lives that we want to live and we want to make sure that those types of people are elected. And we want to also make sure we understand what a candidate stands for, what laws or, you know, bills they're going to try to pass or enact. We all need to know that information so that we can make informed decisions. My goal is that when you listen to this podcast, you walk away more informed than you were before so that you can make smart political choices because whether or not we want to participate politics is gonna happen with or without us baby it might as well we might as well we might as well do what we can to use our voice to get in i am a left-leaning democrat-leaning black woman i stick true to the statistics of black women in our voting patterns I'm going to be biased, but I'm going to tell you what it is and what it ain't. And I'm going to allow you to make your decision. I used to always say, I can't tell you how to vote, but I am going to tell you how to vote. I'm going to tell you how to vote if you think Social Security is important. You think Medicaid and Medicare are important. You think the cost of insulin drugs should be lower. You think that prescription drugs should be lower. You think that the child tax credit that happened a couple years ago, two or three years ago, was great. I'm going to tell you about the different policies that each party wants to bring forth, wants to enact, and you get to make your own decision. But all I'm asking is that once you turn this podcast off, you are an informed voter 
and you can go out in the world and inform others. I'm not trying to reach MAGAs. I'm not trying to reach radical thinkers, left wing, right wing. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to reach the person who's on the fence, the person who feels disenfranchised, the person who doesn't want to participate because they feel like their vote doesn't count. Even though we've seen in 2020 and even the last election, how close some of these races are, it comes down to sometimes a couple hundred votes. Every single vote, every single voice matters. And I believe that. And I want you to believe it too. And I want us to do what it do. So let's get into it because like I said, so much has happened. It's been some years since I talked to you guys. I think one of the last things we might have talked about was the Afghanistan removal. And that was years ago. And I hate to say it, but a distant memory due to all the other news that has happened. We've had our former president indicted four different cases, 91 different felony counts. Too much to either think or name. Don't worry, we'll get into a podcast episode all about it. But he's also currently the front runner for the Republican Party to be their nominee. A man who has since been found civilly liable for sexual assault to include rape and defamation. A man who has said that he would rather our economy crash right now before he's quote unquote reelected so he's not like Herbert Hoover newsflash he's already Herbert Hoover a man who tanked a bipartisan border deal because he wants to run on that for his campaign a crazy man and he's a hair's length away from being the Republican nominee. We've already had the New Hampshire primary, the Iowa caucus. He won both of those. He won Iowa by a larger margin. He won New Hampshire by a less large margin, only because the type of voters in New Hampshire would have favored a Nikki Haley anyway, but she still didn't do awesome. So that's that. And so here we are. On the eve of what I think is going to be the Nevada caucus, not to be confused with the Nevada primary that actually just happened last night, but Donald Trump was not on that ballot because the GOP in Nevada changed the rules and also decided to have a primary instead of a caucus. Now, the difference between a primary and a caucus is a primary is more so like a normal day when you go vote. You show up at your polling place. You vote for whatever candidate you want. You go home. You about your day. A caucus is a, a little different. You actually have to show up. You have to dedicate time to listen to speeches or whatever you do. Drink some coffee, eat some donuts. I don't know. But you go and you caucus for the nominee that you want to vote for. And then you vote. And then that person is chosen. So 
Nevada changed their rules, as did some a few other states, thanks to Ronna Romney McDaniel. You know, she dropped that Romney for uh, President Trump back in the day. But she and the RNC were able to change the rules in a few states to where it's easier for the former president to win. And then when he does win, he gets all of their delegates. It's a winner-take-all system, which really makes the Republican primary different than Democrats because their system is like whoever wins, they get they get all the delegates in opposed to you get this percentage of delegates if you win. So it has been made easier for Donald Trump to actually win in Nevada. He was not on the primary ballot, but Nikki Haley was. And then the other option was anybody but her. That's not exactly how it was worded, but it was like anyone else or something like that. And actually, she lost to anyone else, which is unfortunate. But the caucus is tomorrow, and that is where they actually get the delegates. The New Hampshire primary did not count for Democrats, and that's because after President Biden was primarying in 2020, he was trying to get the nomination for uh, the Democrats, uh, the National Party nomination. He lost. He lost a lot of states until he got to South Carolina. And they really changed the tide. They turned the tide for Joe Biden. And that's when it all turned around for him. And that's how he won. And so they made Jamie Harrison, who was a candidate for Senate at that time, competing against Lindsey Graham. He lost that race, unfortunately. So Jim Clyburn, who is a rep from South Carolina, was like, hey, like, you know, South Carolinians got you in here. You know, I got this guy. He's really good. You should make him DNC chair. And he became DNC chair, Jamie Harrison. He's been doing a fabulous job. And they were also able to pull for South Carolina to become the first in the nation Democratic primary. However, New Hampshire's rules say that they have to go first. So Joe Biden was not on the ballot. <laughs> and what happened was the DNC, I think, had originally said, OK, well, if you're not going to put him on the ballot and you're still going to hold your race, even though it's technically not considered, we will give whoever wins like half the delegates. But surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise, Joe Biden won. There was a write-in campaign, and Joe Biden won with, like, over 60% of the vote, beating out Dean Phillips, who is currently in the United States House, and Marion Wilson, who I don't know who keeps bankrolling her and her candidacy, but cool. Either way, he won handily in New Hampshire, and so I, I did hear some whispers that I think now they're going to give all the delegates instead of cutting them in half or whatever. It doesn't matter. I think it was all kind of just like to be spiteful in the first place. But it doesn't matter. Joe Biden won that primary. And then South Carolina just had their Democratic primary yesterday at the time of this recording. And Joe Biden won that as well. He won that primary by 96 Point seven percent or something like something super crazy polls had him at like 69 percent and he won at 96 percent which is kind of crazy 
However, I I did I do think I heard something of the fact that the turnout was kind of lower anyway. So you're thinking ninety six percent of a smaller a number of Democratic voters. So keep that in mind. But that was a very heavy handed win for President Joe Biden. I'm pretty sure that they're using that to tout, you know, what that means for him as a candidate. Uh, apparently, 13% more African-American voters turned up or showed out to actually vote in the primary. So, I mean, he he just ran up all the counties Number one among white voters, black voters, whatever. Like, Joe is the guy. I hear how old he is. I know he's old. I know sometimes he looks frail, and I know sometimes I want to tell him to take a nap. But he has been the most consequential president of our lifetime, even more than Obama. And y'all know he's my number one still. But Joe Biden has really been doing the work, so... I don't sit around and get caught up in the age thing. Donald Trump is only three years younger than him. He'll be the same age Joe Biden was when he was inaugurated as president in 2021, if he were to win. So I'm not going to sit here and continue to get into the, oh, Joe Biden's so old conversations. Like, there's a difference. One of these guys on his public schedule, it would read something like, the former president has very many meetings and very many calls today. And opposed to Joe Biden, who gets up at the butt crack of dawn, like you know your grandpa does. He goes, slops the hogs, sweeps the terrace, gets everything done, feeds the chickens, all of that before you even woke up. And you don't even know it. You get to sleep in because somebody competent is handling business. And that's all I have to say about Joe Biden's age. So it's primary season. The former president is the front runner. He's pissed, slap off, that Nikki Haley is not getting out of the race. She did not get out of the race when she lost in Iowa when Ron DeSantis dropped out. She did not get out of the race when she lost in New Hampshire, and that really burned his biscuits. And she has said she's going to stay in it until South Carolina. Now, unfortunately... She's not going to win South Carolina, and that's sad because that is her home state. She was once the governor there, and they'll tell you they actually liked Nikki Haley when she was governor. She wasn't so bad. She was pretty cool. But that doesn't mean they want her as the presidential candidate. They would rather Trump, and they'll tell you that when he won New Hampshire, he brought out, like, everybody from the state of South Carolina that actually has a government position. Tim Scott, the senator that Nikki Haley actually appointed to that seat when there was a vacancy. This man gets on stage and he endorses Donald Trump. And then Donald Trump immediately makes it super awkward for him by calling out the fact that Nikki Haley is the one who put him in his seat. He must really hate her if he didn't endorse uh, Nikki Haley, to which Tim Scott, showing all of the, the gums in his mouth, smiled and said, no, I just really love you. And that's where we are, folks. It's very embarrassing. He's the senator of South Carolina, the current governor, other senators, other reps, all were there for Donald Trump. 
when Nikki Haley was the governor, it's so embarrassing. But she's not going to back down. She's not going to be bullied. She's going to continue to spend money on ads, talking about how old Joe Biden and Donald Trump are. She's going to continue to sit around and hope and pray with fingers and toes crossed that something crazy is going to happen between now and whenever. And the former guy is going to some way, somehow get I guess, kicked out of the competition and she's going to win. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. But I really think she's, I think she's going to see the writing on the walls when it comes down to South Carolina, especially depending on how large the margin is. I think she's just holding on till then. I think she knows she's running a losing candidacy, which is sad. Because immediately after she lost in New Hampshire, the RNC chair ronna romney mcdaniel who is supposed to be indifferent and impartial during such times as these basically was like uh, yeah so donald trump is our candidate and like whoever else is in the race shun doesn't get out of the race and i'm like are you people okay because everybody is throwing themselves in front of the other to endorse a man who has been found civilly liable for sexual assault. That's crazy, right? Also, we've been dealing with a lot of impeachment talk, okay? The Republicans wanted to impeach Joe Biden for crimes he might have committed off the back of his son and his brother. I don't know. I don't think anybody understands. They attempted to bring all these hearings about the impeachment. So they, first they said, oh, well, we think we're going to impeach Joe Biden. We're looking into it. We're doing, we're having some investigative hearings and doing some depositions. And we'll know a little bit more. We'll tell you things. And then they said, oh, yikes. We got to bring an impeachment inquiry. Uh, we just technically lost another fight over raising the debt ceiling. Our current House Speaker, which was Kevin McCarthy at the time, we'll get back to that, was just like, I got to do something to keep these wild, crazy maggots happy. So he was like, we're going to do an impeachment inquiry. And everybody was like, so cool, but like, what's the high crime and the misdemeanor? And they were like, hmm. And everybody was like, yeah, because, you know, impeachment is when, like, the president or someone in, you know, office or cabinet commits high crimes or misdemeanors. So, like, what are they? And Republicans are like, squirrel, as they ran off. So, long story short, former president is still the only twice impeached president. Joe Biden is not impeached. And Joe Biden would only be impeached for the purpose of being able to say, well, look, that guy was impeached too. They're trying to link him to financial crimes and China and whatever business dealings Hunter Biden had. The GOP has had at least two star witnesses come in and say Joe Biden not once, not ever spoke about business dealings now there were a few times we were in business meetings and he did call 
And Hunter did answer. And he might have put us on speakerphone and we might have said, hello, how are you? But that was the basis of it. There was no business talk. And to be fair, that was during the time after President Biden's oldest son, Bo, had passed away. And so he was being very, very proactive and making sure he reached out to his only other living son, you know, the one that actually struggles with drug addiction during a very hard time because he's a father who loves his son. So I guess we found the high crimes and the misdemeanor folks locked Joe Biden up for being a loving dad. The Republicans tried to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress because they did submit some subpoenas for him and the uncle to come in. And Hunter Biden said, hey, I see the way you guys do. I see how you had, you know, Archer, can't remember his last name, come in. And he said that my dad never had anything to do with any of the business dealings. And instead of actually releasing the transcript from the deposition, you went on Fox News and lied about everything the man said. And I mean, said that he said the complete opposite of the things he said for their viewers. And you can't be trusted. And as the wonderful, beautiful freshman congresswoman, Miss Crockett said, it's because y'all lie. Y'all lie. So in the hearing in which they were going to find Hunter Biden in contempt for violating the subpoena, he shows up. And I mean, the Republicans, you could have knocked these people over with a feather. They didn't think this man was going to show up. And he popped up and was like, hey, ready today. We'll testify in person in public. I don't have nothing to hide. What y'all trying to do? And all they did was tell him that he was a coward for not coming in front of them to testify, even though he was there in front of them to testify. And that's how you know these people are not serious. Our 118th Congress, it's a do-nothing Congress. And that's at the fault of Republicans. They've been the majority party since January of last year. It took them 15 votes to elect Kevin McCarthy as speaker. It's all he ever wanted. I'm glad if he had to become speaker, I'm glad he had to fight for it. I was also glad when they said, we're going to kick Kevin McCarthy out and the Democrats aren't going to help. Because Kevin McCarthy spent his 10 months, <laughs> nine months as speaker doing the most shady, underhanded, backhanded stuff he could have done. He promised things to the MAGA wing. He promised things to the moderates. He promised things to the Democrats. He kept none of his promises. Nobody liked him. Matt Gates already hated him, rumored to be because he allowed the actual investigation into him and whether, you know, he was like sex trafficking minors. And so he just never really liked McCarthy. And in order for McCarthy to even become speaker after the 14th vote, he had to promise two ridiculous concessions. Like only one person is needed to bring a motion to vacate the speaker. And let me tell you something. One continuing resolution, too many. Kevin McCarthy did not let the government shut down. 
the Democrats actually saved him and Republicans from allowing the, the government to shut down. And then Kevin McCarthy went on the Sunday shows and blamed the Democrats who actually saved the Republicans and the government from shutting down. And immediately after, Matt Gates was like, he's out of here. And Kevin McCarthy tweeted, bring the effing vote. And Matt Gates retweeted, brought it. And the rest is history. He was removed as speaker. Uh, it was purely a Republican act. One Republican to bring the motion to vacate, do the debate, set up the vote. That's all it took. Now, they wanted to blame Democrats. Why? Because Democrats did not reach over the aisle to help save McCarthy. Did I remind you guys that Kevin McCarthy threw the Democrats under the bus like two days prior. So they said, absolutely not. We're, we're not going to save you. So Kevin McCarthy was kicked out. They had an interim speaker for some time. They said, we're going to shut this thing down for a week because we knew that we were going to do this, but we didn't know what we were going to do after that. And that's the Republican way, right? Roe v. Wade's overturned. They only worked on that for 50 years and they had no idea what, what to do once that was done. So they went home for a week and then they came back and they took a few nominations and they said, oh, well, Steve Scalise has won. We think we'll vote for him. And then the people were like, no, we're not going to vote for him. And he didn't have the votes. And as a smart man, he said, you know what? I'm going to take my name out of this race because he has cancer. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't have the time to deal with those shenanigans. So he took his name out. Jim Jordan was the next candidate. He did three votes. He failed. He took his name out. And out of nowhere, out of the shadows, comes a man with a block head and Harry Potter glasses named Mike Johnson. The most obscure name you've ever heard. The most obscure face you've ever seen. Nobody knew this man. But Republicans were tired. Tired. There was no way. They could keep going as they had. It had been three weeks at this point, pretty much. No speaker. No work is getting done. They refused to work with the Democrats to try to get anything brought along. Democrats made it clear that they were not going to vote for anyone other than Hakeem Jeffries without any kind of agreement, no kind of power sharing agreement. Why would we help you when you haven't given us any concessions? Come on, Nancy Pelosi would never. She didn't never. So we had three weeks of a do-nothing at all Congress because there was no speaker. In that time, Israel was attacked by a terrorist group and then subsequently went on to start doing some attacking of their own, but that's neither here nor there. We had a senator who was doing his own thing Blocking military promotions. Families couldn't even move to their new homes. Nobody knew what was going on. And there's war going on in the Middle East. Because remember, Jared Kushner was working on peace over there. But mostly he just got $2 billion and peace out. So it was all a bind. And there was no speaker. And there was no Ukraine funds. And there was no Israel funds. Because whatever happens, you know, the U.S. is going to stand by those guys. No funds for Israel, no funds for Ukraine. 
Republicans saying that they were only going to bring it up if it could be tied to border control. We'll get back to that. So things started going and boom, we have a government shutdown coming. You know why? Because around May last year, we had a fight over the debt ceiling. And the Republicans said, oh, well, we are not going to approve lifting the debt ceiling if we don't get some negotiations on the budget. And Joe Biden said, absolutely not. The debt ceiling and the budget are two different things. You don't just go and run up your credit card and be like, hey, you know what? To discuss a budget. When J.P. Morgan Chase comes and says, hey, you need to pay us what you owe us. You don't do that. Our debt ceiling is tied specifically to the money that we spend. And raising it only means that we keep paying our bills. We keep our good credit. Our credit rating stays in tip-top shape. We pay our debtors. And we hope that they forgive us. They're not, though. But anyways. Republicans wanted to have a budget conversation for a debt ceiling issue. Wasn't the right time, but because they decided to not budget all, Joe Biden was like, you know what? Okay, sure. Come to my White House and we'll get together in my Oval Office and we'll talk about some budget stuff. And they did. They did. They got a deal and the deal was supposed to keep us from spending any levels higher than what was in our current budget. A lot of other things the Republicans wanted, concessions were given. A deal was made. Then it comes time to actually do the budget to keep the government from shutting down. And this is during Kevin McCarthy's tenure. Keep in mind now, the Republicans are now saying, no, no, no. If you don't handle the border, we're not going to help you with anything. And Joe Biden was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, we've already had a deal like you guys are supposed to stick to our deal send in your budget and let us review it because the house has the specific authority of doing appropriations and funding bills that's where they are to originate that's what the constitution says and it was oh well joe biden could send us his budget and it's like no Oh, the Senate hasn't passed any appropriations. No, it's supposed to be the House. They weren't doing that. It got down to the wire. And then, basically, they had to do a continuing resolution. And that's what pissed Republicans on the far right wing off the most. Because that's the point. They don't want to keep doing continuing resolutions. Because at that point, you're not looking at the line items. You're just saying, okay, go ahead and... Keep spending at where it's at. Like, we'll just continue this resolution and we'll have to look into it. And that's the point. The Republicans are like, no, we we don't want these large omnibus bills. We want bills broken down per issue so we can vote on them the way that we want to. We don't want to do continuing resolutions. But guess what? The government was going to shut down. And Kevin McCarthy had a choice. It was either let the government shut down or bring the bill to the floor and let Democrats vote for it. And that's exactly what happened. And that's what really, 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 really pissed off those right wing guys. And that's when Matt Gates was like, buddy, I don't know what to tell you, but you're out of here. Now, keep in mind, the continuing resolution was only for about 
30, 45 days, if I'm not mistaken. So they have this fight over the speaker, like immediately after. They take a week off. They come back. They use another week to actually try to figure out who they're going to nominate. They nominate two different guys. They fail. Then they nominate this obscure guy. He wins. But guess what? Now we've already ate up three weeks of our time where we were supposed to be working on a budget, remember? So guess what? He's got to do another continuing resolution. Why? Because, hey, now we're actually about to, like, shut this thing down for the rest of the year. So now we have to do another continuing resolution into November. Okay. November comes. Guess what? You guessed it. Surprise, surprise. We don't have a deal. We don't have a deal. Republicans can't even get along themselves. They're trying to fight each other and people in hearings. These people can't get together and work on any deal. So guess what? Mike Johnson has to do a continuing resolution. Now, that one was a freebie. They said, we'll let you have it this time. We know you got dealt an impossible hand. You came in. This stuff was crazy. You know, we'll let you have this one. But don't let there be too many. And boom, they ended up having to do another one. So Mike Johnson is on thin ice, which is why I think he's already pretty radical. But I think that's why he really falls in line with a lot of the crazy, ridiculous things that his party wants, especially those right wing guys, even though with every mistake, they're just like, hey, you know, we might need new leadership. And it's like, do you really, really want to do that during election year? Do you really want to throw you, yourselves into chaos again? Because you guys can't work together enough to work with actual Democrats so that you can do things. It's a split Congress. Even when they had George Santos, Rest in pieces. He's still alive. That wasn't nice. Even when they had George Santos, they had a very thin margin. Kevin McCarthy was so pissed off, he decided just to leave Congress. So, you know, at the end of the year, he was like, I'm going to take me and my fundraising dollars back to California, and I'm probably going to become a lobbyist, and I'm probably going to be coming for a lot of you guys' jobs. Don't worry. I remember who all voted against me. And so now they have like two, three, maybe one sometimes as a margin when it comes to their majority. Everything they do, they need to negotiate. They can't pass anything for the most part without Democrats, but they absolutely refuse to work with Democrats. And this is the party who wants you to let them stay in power. And then elect their crazy orange cult leader so that we can see what really happens when power is unchecked. So we can really see what really happens when you have people who aren't going to be loyal to the Constitution, but to the person. We've already seen that. And what's going to happen when all of the people who would be safeguards and who would put up guardrails are out of here? Because these people are only concerned about power. Mike Johnson will let those Republicans cuss him out. Him and his real good Christian haircut out. As long as he remains in power. 
He won't care about any bills. He won't care about actually fixing things as long as he's in power. Point blank, period, the situation we have now. Remember I said Republicans said, we're not going to fund Ukraine. We're not going to fund Israel unless we have an immigration bill. Well, what do you know? Senator Republican James Lankford and Democrat Chris Murphy from Connecticut got together and started negotiating a bipartisan immigration bill. Why? Because nothing was going to pass unless there was comprehensive immigration reform. So these two men, they worked their hardest. They worked their hearts out. Only four in the midnight hour. I mean, almost at the end of, once they found out negotiations were going good, because for a while it was touch and go, right? The Secretary of Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, is doing his absolute best trying to help negotiate a deal. Meanwhile, they're trying to impeach him in the House We'll come back to that. And these two senators are working hard. They've been frustrated. They worked through Christmas break. They've worked through New Year's. They they finally get close to a deal. There was rumblings that it was a deal, a good one. And suddenly Donald Trump says, don't fix it. I want to campaign on it. So now we have Republicans tanking a bill in which Democrats came so far to the right. It's shocking. It's the most conservative immigration bill in decades. And the Republicans won't vote on it because the former guy said he wants to campaign on it. So. We have a crisis that we can fix, but we're not going to fix it so that guy can campaign on it. And hopefully he'll get elected at the end of this year in an election like nine months away so that he can become the president and actually handle the immigration. And to be fair, polling suggests that Americans believe he he would actually do better on the immigration. I guess it was the separating children from parents and, you know, thousands of them still not even being reunited that really gets people in their heartstrings and makes them believe in our immigration system. I don't know. But anyways, this deal would essentially cut our border off. And if it had been enacted just recently, our border would have been shut down because after, I think, about 5,000 people, like if if on any given day, if there's an average of 5,000 people, the the border shuts down until that number goes down, right? It's like an indefinite until we're seeing less than 5,000 people coming to this border. This border is closed. Get on up out of here. You can't stay here. You can't work here. The border is shut down. That's everything Republicans wanted. He can't run on economy. The economy has been doing swimmingly. I mean, the Fox News hosts are busting a gasket every time they have to come on and talk about a record high at the Dow. So he can't campaign on that. 
So he has to use immigration because somewhere, somehow, some way, Republicans fooled certain Americans into believing that they're actually good at immigration. And that's where we'll leave that. So that's where we are current day. Like I said, we have a caucus for Nevada tomorrow. We have a primary for Virgin Islands. That's the same day as the Nevada one. And then at the end of the month is South Carolina. So South Carolina is the one to watch. I I remember when uh, Nikki Haley did not drop out of New Hampshire and they were saying, oh, South Carolina, like that's the bloodbath primary. Like it's going to get ugly. And to be fair, it's not really gotten that ugly. Like it's just the normal Trump saying slight dog whistle racist stuff about Nikki Haley. And she's saying that he's old and he spent all the money and he's the reason why we're in so much debt. You know, same old, same old, but nothing crazy has come out. No bombshells like you're, Dad was sleeping with your cousin. I don't know. Nothing crazy has come out, like I'm saying. Like, they made it seem like it was going to be just cat fights and clawing of eyes and gnashing of teeth and all of that stuff. I haven't seen that, but, you know, it is what it is. Donald Trump is Donald Trump. He kind of has moved the needle for what is outrageous these days anyway. So it's probably why it just feels like a normal Wednesday. Um, And then once we have that primary at the end of the month for South Carolina, we have March 5th, Super Tuesday. That's a plethora of states doing Democrat and Republican primaries. And from that point on, I think sometime in March, like at that point, it's like every Monday, it's something like a primary. It's like, it's just boom, 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 boom. We're going until the um, conventions and then all of that stuff. And then um, actual election in November. What's crazy is if, if Donald Trump wins basically in South Carolina like he probably is going to win Nikki Haley is most likely going to drop out and that's going to mean this is going to be like one of the longest actual election seasons because at that point the the race is set right most people don't get their nomination until like sometimes midway in the year but like the earlier they get it out that's why you kind of see the, the Biden campaign is already going heavy going hard because they're like they know Donald Trump's going to win everybody pretty much like once he won New Hampshire, but I was like, okay, well, he's the presumptive nominee. Once again, something crazy may happen. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things is a good show on Netflix. You should check it out. Anyways, once Super Tuesday comes along, like we're in it. We're going. Every every week is something. So keep an eye out, you guys. Also on your, like I mentioned earlier, on your local races, please keep an eye out. People don't understand that politics really starts at home it's the people that you elect in your hometowns that you know that you see often these are the people that continue to go up the ranks and are groomed to take on these different higher up political roles like house representatives state representative things like that and so these are people that are really important it's very important that you not only pay attention to your presidential elections, but you pay attention to your state and local elections because that's the difference between having a president who is for abortion as medical care and as a right of yours to have because your body, your choice, and then a governor who doesn't agree with a attorney general like Ken Paxson who doesn't agree with abortion, who on top of the fact that the state legislature already enacted such draconian abortion bans in Texas, 
and then you have a government who signs it. Then you have a attorney general who says, well, yeah, we have exceptions, but they're so vague. I'm still going to hold you accountable. Like we're still going to charge you. Even if you say it's medically necessary, we're still going to charge the doctors. We're still going to make sure the hospitals pay. We're still going to make sure that civilly anybody can sue this young lady for having an abortion. That's the difference, right? We have a president who is for the things that we want, but then we have state and local officials who are doing the opposite. So that's why I say make sure you're educated about who's running in your state and local races. Make sure you know who's running for United States Senate, United States House. It's not enough to elect Joe Biden. We need to elect Joe Biden. We need to give him a Democratic House. We need to give him a Democratic Senate. We need to have Democratic lawmakers in our state and local. If we want to see change. Now, once again, I hate to say I'll vote for the Democrats, vote for the Democrats. But when you follow politics as closely as I do, it's really easy to see one party is actually actively trying to do legislation and work. And the other party is full of a lot of people who are not necessarily, let's say, fans of the government. And then they join the government, not for the purpose of actually changing it for the better, but for the purpose of trying to break it, to prevent it from doing any good, any work, anything for the people. And that's what we're witnessing now. Our Congress, our House of Representatives has not passed any bills into law that they have not worked with Democrats on. And it's going to continue to be that way. And we need to make sure that people are in office that will work together. Not George Santoses, who want to take their campaign contributions and buy OnlyFans and Sephora. Not, not those kind of guys. Not, not, not George Santos. Not the guy who went to all these Ivy League schools and knew somebody who died in the Pulse attack and whose mother died in 9-11, but then also like five years later. Not him. Not him. Save him for your cameos and all of that stuff. You guys are going to make him famous anyway because that's what America does. We, we have a penchant for mess. So he's recording cameo videos. He's doing fine. You guys keep giving him money to scam. But in terms of the people that we need in office, less scammy as possible, please. Keep your eye out on some of these people who are actually doing the good work. Like I mentioned earlier, Jasmine Crockett, she's a freshman congresswoman out of Texas. Matthew Frost, he is, I think, the youngest, like the first Gen Z, maybe for the Democrats at least, rep in the House out of Florida. Summer Lee, she's good. Like we got a good group of freshmen incoming lawmakers Jared Moskowitz out of Florida if I still lived in Florida he would be my my rep and I love that because he like these they're not playing it's so refreshing to see them I don't the best thing I can say is fight back right because Republicans get that with their representatives and the people they vote in now it, it might not actually turn into law nothing might actually change 
but they give off the illusion that they're fighting. And so that's what I'm, I've loved about watching this Congress, even though a lot of it turns into kind of like petty squabbles and a lot of back and forth and calling out a lot of hypocrisy, but they did not come to play. Like they are keeping their foot on the necks of anybody who's not being honest, who's not arguing in good faith, who is trying to game the system, who is trying to make sure that you can't get the things you need because they're worried about making sure that a self-proclaimed billionaire gets what he wants. Like, And so they're doing an amazing job. So if you haven't checked any of these people out, check them out. If you got a few dollars to spare, donate, donate, donate. The more that you donate to candidates and they actually get their money from grassroots fundraising and they don't have to take lobbyist money, the easier it is for them not to be beholden to special interests. So if you got a few extra dollars, donate. If you got extra time, volunteer. If you like writing, I know my friends are going to listen to this and they're going to cringe because I've put them through this torture. Get postcards or write letters. You can look it up. I think I, I wrote for... um wing left or something like that i'll tell you guys more about it um but we actually you reach out to them you sign up for like a state or whatnot and they'll send you the postcard and they'll tell you like what generic message you're out on the postcard and you write the postcard and then you have to pay for the stamps but you send it out and i've had two postcard writing parties (laughs) one of them was for georgia and i'm gonna take credit I believe that that helped bring us over the edge because that was when John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock were both up in Georgia for election. They had both have runoffs. And basically, that was going to give us control of the Senate in 2021. So we wrote postcards and we sent those, I sent those postcards out. And so people get them and it's just you sending out a message saying, hey, like, thank you for being a value voter. Like, we hope you keep it up. Just kind of like energizing people. Do what you can. Work your ministry. Work your ministry to make sure that people are getting out, getting out the vote, that people are educated. They know what they're talking about. They know who they're voting for. Keep on the lookout for all of these things. So thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for coming back and doing this journey with me. This year is going to be crazy. Hopefully we can keep all of it straight. I'm here as usual for questions or if there's any topic that you want me to go over like a little more in depth. Some things you just like, you know what, Brandy, like, I don't really understand that. Can you break that down? Please let me know. Like, feel free to reach out on Facebook. Facebook is Did You Hear the News? D-I-D-J-A. Hear the News. I'm on Instagram. Same. Did You Hear the News? Check me out. Me up. Say nice things. Don't say mean things. But if you got criticism, give them to me. Apologies. While I'm here, I do have a new mic. I have been figuring it out. So I apologize if some parts are loud and some parts are low. I'm working this thing out. But thank y'all so much for being here with me. And I'll check y'all again next time on the flip side.